I have questions. Especially when it comes to prayer. I have questions. Now, I want to warn you, some of these may come off a little irreverent. There's no irreverence intended at all when it comes to these questions that I have about prayer. I have real questions about prayer. Prayer for me is hard. I'll be, I, you know, Brandon talked about being real. Let me be real with you for just a minute. Prayer for me is hard. Not that I don't believe that God answers prayers, because I believe that God answers prayers. Not that I don't believe that God listens to our prayers, because I believe that God listens to our prayers. It's just prayer for me. I have questions. And uh, these are real questions that I have about prayer. Uh, for example, uh, one of the questions I have is, is why should I pray if God already knows what I need? Any of you ever had this question? Okay, a few of you. You're braver than the 9 o'clock. Uh, <laughs> nobody raised their hand. Either that or they got it all figured out. Maybe we should all start coming to 9 o'clock. Um, learn from those people. Um, but no, why should I pray? If God already knows what I need, and, and the passage we're going to look at today says that God knows what you need. And so if God already knows what I need, then why should I pray? The question I have. If God knows what I need, why should I pray at all? Another question I have is, for whose benefit does prayer exist? Why do we pray? Uh, who's, for whose benefit is prayer? Is, is prayer for my benefit? Is prayer for the benefit of the person that I'm praying for? Is prayer for God's benefit? As though that were somehow possible. For whose benefit is prayer? Why do I pray? It's a question that I have. It's a question I don't necessarily have the answer to but it's a question that i have um another question i have uh is how many people this is going to sound irreverent but it's a real question i have is how many people need to be praying for a prayer request before god decides to answer it in the affirmative you know what i'm talking about like god is in heaven saying if only 10 more people had prayed for this prayer request that you sent out then i would have answered it the way you wanted me to that's a question i have is how many people have to pray for a request. You know, and, and so like when somebody posts something on Facebook and 400 people say they're praying, does that get God's attention more than just a prayer request that I have in my own personal life? It's a question I have. I have questions about prayer. Maybe you have questions like these too. Why do we pray at all? I mean, why, if God is going to do what God is going to do, if God's will be done, if God is going to do what God is going to do, then why do we pray? Can we change God's mind? That's a prayer, I, that's a question I have about prayer. Can I change God's mind? If God's will is going to be done, if He is going to do what He is going to do, why should I pray? I struggle with prayer. I have questions. Maybe some of these are resonating with you. You're like, man, you got guts to even admit that. I would never say such a thing, but I think it. I have these same questions, Sean. Here's the thing, folks. I don't think God is afraid of questions. I don't think he's afraid of questions at all. I don't think he's afraid of doubt. I don't think he's afraid of fear. I don't think God's afraid of anything. He's not afraid of my questions. He's not afraid of yours. He's not afraid of your doubts, whether you doubt prayer or you believe wholeheartedly in it, wherever you are on that continuum, God is not angry with you for doubting. He's not upset with you for doubting. Uh, he's not frustrated with you for doubting. I think that God wants us to bring our questions to Him. He wants us to bring Him our doubts. And say, God, I have this struggle. I struggle with prayer. I have these questions about prayer. Last one. <laughs> 
This is irreverent. Uh, for those, for whose benefit are public prayers? For whose benefit are public prayers? Uh, are they for God's benefit? Are they for my benefit? Are they for the person that I'm praying for? Is it for their benefit? If, if, if I pray for a prayer request at 9 o'clock, during the 9 o'clock service, why do I pray for it again at 11? Did God not hear me the first time? So whose benefit is that for? Uh, is that for God? Obviously not. God knows all things. He knows what we're praying for. Is that, for, is, is that so that the person who made the prayer request gets a warm, fuzzy feeling? Pastor Sean, pray for my prayer. Thank you. <laughs> like I said, it may seem a little irreverent, but it comes from a real place. Why do we pray? What kind of posture should we have in prayer? What kind of uh, position should we take in prayer? What kind of words should we say when we pray? These are questions that I have about prayer. And like I said, maybe they're questions that you have too. Maybe you're tired of just having a prayer life that just kind of goes through the motions. And you repeat the same things you say all the time. You you pray and and it's just like, you know, you're not even thinking about what you're praying. You're just mouthing the words. Maybe you're tired of having a weak prayer life or an anemic prayer life. How many of you feel like your prayer life could use some help? You are in the right place. Because for the next six weeks, we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to look at prayer, and uh, we're going to look at the most famous prayer in all of the Bible. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer for the next six weeks. We're going to break it down piece by piece. We're going to dissect it and see how we should pray. Now, maybe you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you grew up learning the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you grew up in church reciting the Lord's Prayer. You could recite it backwards and forwards right now if I asked you to. You'd be able to say, Our Father who art in heaven, you know the whole thing. The King James Version, the right version. Right? You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But you could say it backwards and forwards. You know the Lord's Prayer. But do you know the Lord's Prayer? That's what we're going to talk about for the next six weeks. We're going to talk about prayer and what happens when we pray and why we should pray and what is the purpose of prayer as we get into the Lord's Prayer. This is a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. The disciples were following Jesus up on a mountainside. Now, this uh, prayer here in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, was, it's not even the prayer. The prayer starts in verse 9. We're going to look at verses 5 through 8 today uh, to talk about the, kinda, the preamble to the prayer. We're going to talk about what Jesus said about prayer before he actually prayed the Lord's Prayer. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at this passage of Scripture today, and it takes place in the Sermon on the Mount. Like I said, Jesus' followers uh, were following him up on this mountainside, and huge crowds were following Jesus everywhere he went. He was uh, very, very popular. Uh, He was attracting huge crowds. Uh, He was drawing people to himself, mostly because of his miracles, uh, because of the healings that he had done and and, uh, other miracles he had performed. Uh, People were hearing about him, Uh, they were hearing about his popularity, and they were flocking to him. Uh, People were following Jesus everywhere he went. And so uh, you've got Jesus up on this mountainside with his disciples and this huge crowd of people. Now, the Sermon on the Mount was delivered originally for the disciples. It wasn't for the huge crowds that were following him. Now, they could listen in and they could hear what Jesus was saying, but Jesus' intended audience was his disciples. He wanted to teach his disciples of what it meant to be a person who is consumed by God's kingdom. 
What does it mean to be a kingdom person? What does it mean to live for God's kingdom? To live as a citizen of heaven? To live as one of God's people? So this is what Jesus tells them. And he, we have the Sermon on the Mount. It begins with the Beatitudes and covers all the different various aspects of life. I did a sermon series when I first got here eight years ago uh, called Functional Faith. And it was all about the Sermon on the Mount. Well, maybe we'll revisit it someday. But for right now, we're going to focus on the Lord's Prayer. Because uh, Brandon said it last week that his hope for our church, and, and I'll be honest, my hope for our church is that we'll become a church of prayer. That we'll be a church that is committed to and focused on prayer. Because I believe that uh, prayer changes things. Prayer changes people. Prayer, prayer changes lives. Prayer changes churches. And I believe that we need to be uh, more focused on prayer as a church family. And so one of the best ways that I know how to do that is to teach about prayer. And so here at the beginning of 2016, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. Like I said, we're going to break it down piece by piece. We're going to dissect it, and we're going to take different chunks of it. Uh, there's some really challenging things in the Lord's Prayer uh, that, that you may have not even heard about or may have not even thought about uh, that are really going to challenge us uh, in the way that we pray and in the way that we think about prayer. So we're going to talk about that for the next six weeks. But for today, we're going to look at kind of the section right before the prayer. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 684. Uh, or if you have it on your phone or on your tablet or other uh, connected device, you can look it up. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. We're going to take the first two verses, talk about it for a little bit, and then we're going to take the last two verses and talk about that for a little bit. And then we'll talk about what it means for us. <coughs> Excuse me. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, where they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus says that the very first thing he says is when you pray. In other words, prayer is not an option for the people of God. He doesn't say if you pray, if you choose to pray, if you think about praying. He says, no, when you pray. This should be a habit. This should be something that we do as God's people. We should be people of prayer. So he says, when you pray, do not be like the what? Do not be like the hypocrites. Do not be, let me show you the Greek word for for hypocrite, it's right up here. It's uh, Hippocrates. Hippocrates. Now, what does Hippocrates mean? Anyone? Play actor, pretender. That's what this word means. It. it uh, the definition is a, a play actor or a pretender. Uh, oh, I was a theater major for three and a half years down at Indiana State University. Okay, I was studying to be an actor. I was gonna go. I was gonna. You know, I was gonna be famous. I was gonna be rich. I was gonna be uh, handsome. I don't know what happened, um, but uh, <laughs> something happened. Um, but uh, <laughs> pizza rolls happen. Um, you know, I went four months last, last year without eating pizza rolls. And then I got really depressed after Christmas. Oh. Oh. It's a new year, 2016. Pizza roll free, right? 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 So you can do it, Sean. Thanks. Thanks. 
Um, so anyway, uh, so I was going to go and make it rich and famous, and I, I, was, I studied to be an actor. I was trained in the Stanislavski method, which is method acting, and, and it's where you get into a character. You think like the character, and you, you, it's more than just memorizing lines. It's, it's really diving deep into the psyche of a character to, to put on this character so that people don't even realize they're watching an actor, okay? It's, it's like the difference between, like, um, uh, Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind. How many of you have seen A Beautiful Mind? where he plays John Nash, the Nobel-winning mathematician. Uh, He plays John Nash, and and, and it's an amazing performance. And you think, wow, I mean, you don't even realize you're watching an actor. It's it's so incredible to see this portrayal of this character. And, and, And when you have, like, a really good actor, someone who's really good at putting on a role, and you compare that to, like, Adam Sandler and Happy Gilmore. You know, I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, that's that's not a character he's playing. He's just a goofball. But, um... But an actor is someone who puts on a character who pretends to be somebody else. And they convince you that they are that person. That's what a hypocrite is. Now, a hypocrite isn't somebody who, does one th- who says one thing and does another. That's called being human. We all are idealists. We all have this thought in mind of, okay, I want to be a good person. I want to say the right things. I want to do the right things. I want to think the right things. I want to be a good person. I want to be a good Christian. I want to be a good follower of Jesus. And then we mess up, we, we miss the mark, we fall short, we sin. And people are like, ah, ha, 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 see, you're not what you say you are. No, no, I'm exactly what I say I am. I'm a fallen sinner in need of grace. And by his grace, God has forgiven me. I'm a forgiven sinner. Never claim to be perfect. And if I ever do, you have permission to smack me in the face. Not very hard, please don't hit me hard. So a hypocrite isn't necessarily somebody who says one thing and does another a hypocrite is somebody who's trying to convince you that there's something that they're not that was the pharisees of jesus's day they would pray in the synagogues they would pray in the street corners trying to convince people that they were these holy guys these holy joes oh there goes a pharisee he's so holy oh there's another one he's praying listen to him pray he prays such beautiful prayers now there's nothing wrong with public prayers jesus prayed in public There's nothing wrong with public prayers per se. It's when you're trying to convince people that you're something that you're not. It's when you're trying to convince people that you're holy and that you're so wonderful and you're so close to God when in reality your heart is far from Him. That's a hypocrite. Jesus says, don't be like them. No, instead, pray in secret. Pray in private. Prayer should be a communication between you and God. God desires to have a relationship with us by His grace through faith in Jesus Christ. God wants to have this relationship with us and when we, um, when we have this relationship with God, what are relationships built upon? Communication, right? You've got to have communication. Prayer is God's, uh, God's gift to us to allow us to communicate with Him. And so when we pray to God, we're communicating to Him. We're, we're con- communicating with Him. We're communing with Him. That's what prayer is all about. It's communicating with God. So uh, we have, Jesus says, to, to don't worry about praying in prayer and trying to impress people. But rather, pray in private, just commune with God. Your Father has given you this gift to be able to communicate with Him. Use it for that purpose. Not to impress people, not to even try and impress God. But rather, to commune with God. That's what prayer is all about. We continue. Verses 7 and 8. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need 
before you ask him. One of my questions, right? It says, do not be like the pagans. The Gentile pagans around uh, the people of God at that time uh, would invoke the names of their gods over and over and over again in order to try and get their attention. They would uh, babble on and just use nonsensical language and they would go on and on and on and on in these lengthy prayers to try and get the attention of their gods. Jesus says, you don't have to do that. You don't have to use flowery language to try and, to try and get God's attention. You don't have to, to use all the these and the thous in praying the King James in order to get God's attention. You don't have to give these long-winded prayers and go on and on and on to God to try and rouse His attention. No, Jesus says, your Heavenly Father knows what you need because His eyes are always on you. You, you got to get this, all right? You have your Heavenly Father's undivided attention god is looking at you he is watching you he is loving you right now your heavenly father loves you and he cares for you you don't have to do jumping jacks while you pray to try and get it. god look at me he can't take his eyes off of you when i was a kid i went to uh chicago uh, on a uh, mission trip kind of a thing uh, kind of a, with our youth group at church when I was growing up, we went to Humboldt Park. This is like when it was one of the, the, the scariest places to be in all of Chicago. Uh, it it was had one of the highest murder rates in the city. And so we went up there for a weekend, and we spent the night at the church, uh, and uh, I don't know why my parents let me go. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that somewhere deep inside they were like, I don't think we should let him go. You know, we really like this kid, and we want him around. But I don't know. Uh, but they were like, see ya! And I was like, what? Anyway, no, no. My parents love me, um, right? Okay, they're shaking their heads in the affirmative, so that's good. Um, but uh, so we went up there to this on this kind of pseudo mission trip uh, to kind of see what the inner city of Chicago was like. And as we're there, uh, a guy named Shondo Valdez, he was a, uh, um, a, a former gang leader in Chicago, uh, and he was talking to us uh, about uh, his testimony. He was giving us his testimony of how he came to Christ. And one of the things he said was that when he was a kid, uh, his dad was always harassing him, was always on his case, always uh, watching over him, and he, he couldn't get away from his dad. And he said, Dad, why are you always hassling me? Why are you always harassing me? Why, why are you always watching over me? He said, my son, don't you understand? I can't take my eyes off of you. I love you so much that I can't take my eyes off of you. That's God. That's your heavenly Father. He loves you so much, he can't take his eyes off you. And he knows what you need. He knows right where you are. He knows your name. He knows what you need. And he loves you so much. And he cares for you so much. You, you got to get this. We got to understand this, that God loves us and cares for us, and he wants to answer our prayers according to his will, his perfect will. And he knows what you need even before you ever say it. So I was thinking about prayer, and uh, I was thinking about this theological masterpiece that I had seen when it comes to prayer, and there's this, it's called Bruce Almighty. Y'all seen Bruce Almighty? How many of you seen Bruce Almighty with Jim Carrey, Jennifer Aniston, right? Well, there's a scene in, in the movie 
where uh, Jim Carrey's character, Bruce, uh, is uh, having difficulties with his girlfriend, Grace, uh, and who's played by Jennifer Aniston. And Jennifer Aniston starts praying to God. Uh, and um, it, it's just a, kind of a, a heart-wrenching scene, uh, but it kind of teaches me a little bit about prayer and what prayer is really like. Because prayer isn't necessarily flowery language. It's not necessarily long uh, recitations. Prayer isn't uh, meant to impress people. It isn't even meant to impress God. Prayer is just crying, the crying out of our hearts, the crying out of our broken hearts to God. Check out this clip. He does pray a lot. Find Grace and Bruce. Dear God, please help Bruce find himself, find contentment, find you. Dear God, please help Bruce. He seems to be struggling. Dear God, give Bruce strength. Dear God, bless Bruce. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. It's her. Sandy, it's her. She's logging on. She's praying right now. Grace. Please, God. Please. I still love him. But I don't want to love him anymore. I don't want to hurt anymore. Please. Help me forgive. Help me let him go. I don't think that prayer has to be this thing that we do that it's it's just a I gotta come up with the right words and I gotta come up with the right posture and the right position. I gotta have all the right things to say. Sometimes prayer is just crying out to God in our hurt and in our pain, just crying out to God, help me, Lord. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I, I don't know what to think anymore. Prayer comes from the heart. That's what Jesus is saying. Prayer comes from the heart. Prayer is from in here. It's not necessarily all up here. Uh, it's not having the right formula to say. It's not reciting uh, the right words every single time and, and trying to come up with uh, the perfect uh, formula for prayer. It's what's in your heart. Because God sees what's in your heart and He knows what's in your heart. He knows your hurt. He knows your pain. He knows your needs. And He cares for you. And He wants to provide for you. He wants to heal you and to heal your broken heart. In Psalm 34, verses 17 and 18, this is what it says. It says, The Lord hears His people when they call to Him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. How many feel like, a, like you got a crushed spirit this morning? How many feel like you got a broken heart this morning? God is close to you. It's... You may think that God's a million miles away, but the Bible says in the book of Psalms that He is close to you. All you have to do is turn to Him and cry out to Him in prayer. Give Him what is in your heart. Share with Him what's on your heart. You don't have to jump up and down to get His attention. You don't have to repeat His name a thousand times to get His attention. You don't have to recite some formula or recite some prayer that you learned when you were a kid in order to get God's attention. No, His eyes are on you now. You have His un, 
undivided attention, compassion, and love. Your heavenly Father loves you, and he cares for you, and he knows what you need. You don't have to put on a prayer show. You don't have to put on a prayer show for God. He knows you, and he knows what you need. So quit trying to impress him with your prayers. Uh, quit trying to get his attention by, by using the right formula or the right words. Pray what's in your heart. Pray what's in here. Cry out to him, for he is close to you. Give him your troubles and your hurts, because he loves you. Yesterday, we're uh, going in the house, and I've told him a thousand times, don't stomp on the ice. Don't stomp on the ice, you're going to fall. Yet every time, he stomps on the ice, trying to get it to crack. I said, watch out, there's a lot of ice there, and he slipped and fell, hit the ground hard. And it instantly started crying. I can't get up. I can't move. My knee hurts too much. I reached down. I'm not that strong. And he weighs 82 pounds. It's like a big sack of flour. I can't move. And I reach down and I pick him up. This is hard. Thank goodness for adrenaline. And I pick him up and I put him on my shoulder and I carry him in the house. Said, Where do you want to go? I want to go to your bed. Okay. So I change positions. <laughs> I carry him through the house and I lay him in the bed. And his mother comes and holds him. And he was so devastated and so hurt and crying. And all I wanted to do was comfort him. To help him. The love of your heavenly Father is even greater than that. And he sees you in your hurt and in your pain, and he wants to help you, and he wants to heal you. So if you're in need of healing this morning, if you're in need of, if you're in need of help this morning, Jesus wants to help you. God wants to help you. If, if you are crushed in your spirit or, or brokenhearted today, God is close to you. He hears you. And so, I'm going to end this sermon by praying, and I want you to just pray along with me. I want to pray together. So if you'll bow your heads and pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you now in this hour of need. We come to you now asking that you would heal heal our hurts. God, we come to you now asking that you would heal our broken hearts. Church, just tell God your heart is broken. Church, just tell God that your, your spirit is crushed. God, heal our broken hearts. Save us and our crushed spirits. God, we hurt and we we, we're needy and we have need. Father God, I pray today that you would be close to us. 
that we would feel your presence in this place and in our lives. Thank you for the gift of prayer. Thank you that we have your undivided attention. We don't have to put on a show for you. No. Your eyes are always on us. Thank you for your love and grace. In Jesus' name we pray.